You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. In my lifetime, I expect to see three, four, perhaps even more women on the high court bench. Women not shaped from the same mold, but of different complexions. Welcome back to United States of Women, the Geek Elite Media podcast, where each season we take a different state and we tell you about eight amazing women who, if you haven't heard of them, you've most likely heard of their accomplishments. Yep. So I'm Elizabeth and I'm joined by the Jubiltastic. Jubiltastic. <laughs> Jessica. Thank you, Shakespeare. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we are, this is our final episode of season three in New Jersey. Uh, so episode eight. Uh-huh. This one's, we're titling A Heady Young Woman. Okay. And that is a, a direct quote. Well, not a direct quote, but it, it is a summation of a direct quote from our individual. Okay. So I typically like to, as some people have probably noticed, some of our listeners have noticed, I like to like start with the woman who was born first mm-hmm. and then like work our way to the present throughout mm-hmm. the season. Yeah. So this is our most contemporaneous to us. Okay. And actually she was in fact still alive while we were alive. Oh, okay. Right. Today's woman is Paula Castle. Cool name. Right? Paula was born December 5th, 1917 in New York City. Hey, December baby. December baby. She was the younger of two girls. Mm -hmm. Her dad was a self-taught stockbroker. Wow. Right? And they moved from Yonkers, New York to, or they moved to Yonkers, New York from New York City at the age of, well, when Paula was six. Mm Mm-hmm. She attended Yonkers High School, mm-hmm. and growing up, her mom basically voluntold, encouraged, it's unclear, um, had her volunteer at, the, at a Jewish home for the blind near where they lived. Mm. Okay. So she would read to blind children, help teach them how to read, mm-hmm. all of those things, um, in a very unique way move for the time period Paula's dad insisted that both of his daughters would go to college period end of subject cool right so both of the sisters attended Barnard College mm-hmm. um, where Paula graduated in 1939 with degree with dual degrees in psychology and sociology woohoo that's what I did <laughs> <laughs> thought you might find this interesting she claims that her time at Barnard College was her the birth of her feminist feminist consciousness. That's what college usually does to right. somebody. Is and she her quote is such a place with its activism and push for drive was a heady place for a young woman. To ah, be. I see. So a heady young woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. On August 6th, or she then briefly worked for the Yonkers Relief Department as a social worker. Okay. Okay. In 1941, she married Garrison Friedman, keeping her maiden name, mm. and they moved to Drover, New Jersey, mm. which is how she gets the connection to New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> her quote on this one is, although 
marriages can never truly be equal in today's society. Mine was among the most feminist. (laughs) (laughs) All (laughs) righty. Yeah, she is, she is our, um, as you'll, as you'll come to see, choose full bore into this, what is considered the second wave of feminism Mm -hmm. during her lifetime. Um, she would then, they would have two children, which she would raise. In 1955, after her youngest graduated high school, or after her youngest was old enough, she rejoined the workforce, joining the telephone company Bell Labs. Ooh. In a unique twist from what is common, what was common at the time, she actually reached middle management at the company, but decided to leave after multiple times of being passed over for promotions beyond mm. that. She was not so interested. Um, in 1966, she joined the National Organization for Women, known as NOW. NOW. And established the chapter for what is now Morris County in New Jersey. She was active in now until her death. So she's always been involved. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, one of the major citations is the Morris County, New Jersey now chapters article on her commemorating her death. Um, Because this is the one episode where Wikipedia kind of failed me. Um, (laughs) But that's okay. Paula still had some awesome information out there. The next big piece and where our topic comes from is in 1971 she organized a conference along with marge wingarden in new jersey which she called which they called the new directions for women conference to get uh it ended up with 350 participants okay at the fairly dickinson university in madison new jersey it was held on May 1971. During that conference, it was determined that what was needed was a periodical for that focused on women's issues. So collecting $200 <laughs> from the participants, the publication was born, um, and Castle served as its editor-in-chief because she had previously done some journalism and had written articles. So she I became, mean, everybody writes articles in college. Right. <laughs> yeah. So she started the newspaper, and it was originally published out of her home. Mm-hmm. But by March of 1973, the publication had reached 50,000 wow. prints per run. And it was the country's first statewide feminist newspaper. So, New Directions for Women is our topic mm-hmm. because I think it's awesome. And while now is now the National Organization for Women is still in existence mm-hmm. and highly recognized, New Directions for Women in New Jersey was really important. There's not a lot on it, surprisingly, which was, which was really kind of interesting. New Directions for Women was deemed a no-nonsense reportage from a feminist perspective. Okay. Is what it was 
considered as. Mm -hmm. The archive that houses all of its publications titles the paper, describes the paper as the paper filled with with the paper filled a need for no nonsense reportage from a feminist perspective at a time when women's issues were not regularly or fairly covered in mainstream press. It ran state, national, and international news stories, book reviews, women's histories articles, and editorials. It began as a mimeographed sheet, so just a single sheet, but quickly grew to a tabloid-sized quarterly publication. So, okay. Right? It was published between its founding in 1971 with $240 <laughs> till 1993 when it finally stopped publishing um, because it never really reached financial stability. Eh, still, it's a good run. Right? Still a very good run. Paula served as its director until 1977 when the newspaper relocated to its headquarters in Westwood, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. At which point, because she did not want to leave Dover, she became the assistant editor. Okay. Where she remained until, it's clo- until it closed down. In 1972, Paula helped head and coordinate a NOW conference, a National Organization for Women conference, for unions and employers mm-hmm. regarding the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act on sex discrimination. Mm-hmm. She promoted it and forced it so well that they ended up with 150 delegates from unions and employers. Wow. Right? The next big pieces occur, the next big piece in her professional occurred in 1968. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the part of her story that I'm like, "You go, girl." So in 1968, Paula Castle bought 10 shares of the New York Times stock. Okay. For the express purpose of being permitted into the stockholders meeting. Yeah. Where she raised for debate the introduction of the honorific MS for women who were married but did not take their husband's last names. All right. And she had that argument with um, the editor-in-chief for the New York Times at that at the time, Schulzberg. Okay. Where he specifically when she raised the issue, she raised he when she raised the issue, he retorted back, Miss Ca- Mrs. Castle, my understanding is your daughter recently got married and did not take her husband's last name. So is she Mrs. or Miss? M-I-S-S. And Paula replied, That's the problem. I don't know. I've been confused about it myself. Mm -hmm. The addition of the MS honorific had been a fight throughout the 1970s by the Women's Women's Journalists Association, particularly at the New York Times, for over a decade. And they had been unable to get it through. After her discussion with Schulzberg on the stockholder floor, Mm -hmm. that same year the New York Times introduced the honorific MS Mm -hmm. with an editorial discussion regarding the change in language. Mm -hmm. I almost considered doing honorifics as our topic for today, (laughs) but quite honestly, it is so freaking conflicting that I was, I was like, uh, 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 I don't know. 
Although interesting, side note for audience members, the honorific MX can be used for any and all genders, including not it is it is the only non-gender specific honorific MX. So non gender binary. Okay, cool. It is non binary. So for those who do not associate with a gender, they's and them's, you can use the honorific MX for formal invitations. Ah, I didn't know that. Now is MX probably not available on forms that you fill out on the internet yet or anything? No, not really. Okay. All right. Let's go before Congress. No, just <laughs> Next step. Yeah, next step. But that's, that's cool. I didn't know there was one. So MX. Yeah. The part that nobody knew when she made that debut on the New York Times stockholders floor mm-hmm. was the fact that her husband had died six days before. Oh, but in interviews regarding that topic afterwards, she made the statement that her husband was a feminist and she knew that this was an important enough issue that she could put aside her grief Mm-mm. and fight on. Mm. In particular, what the articles have uh, attributed to her success in that New York Times battle and in all of the other battles that she pursued in moving equal rights of women forward mm-hmm. was the fact that she strictly focused on logical explanations and arguments. So for instance, in the New York times, a much of her argument for the introduction of the MS was the fact that more and more women are keeping their maiden names mm-hmm. and Mrs. would not be appropriate because Mrs. would be their mother-in-law. mother-in-law. Yeah. Whereas Miss would not be appropriate because they are in fact married. Married. So for the very logical reason that you have a category of women who need an honorific mm-hmm. and the two current honorifics do not apply, mm-hmm. MS needs to be introduced. So no discussion regarding, you know, what would at the time be considered, you know, emotional pleas for equality Mm -hmm. it was just a very logical straightforward there is confusion in your printed newspaper because you do not have an honorific appropriate for this category Mm -hmm. you need to fix that (laughs) like irrelevant look it uses less letters than both of those (laughs) it's like the same amount of letters as mister so so there you go there you go after the closing of the new directions for women publication in 1993 Paula then went on to create an index of every article the newspaper ever ever ran by subject so that it could be found because she was concerned that there was still a need for feminist-centric research and historical documentation. Mm -hmm. These indexes and all of the newspaper articles can be found at at Ohio State. Mm Mm-hmm. York University in Toronto, and Rutgers. Mm. Paula passed away, still a member of the Morris County, New Jersey chapter of now, Mm -hmm. on August 20th, 2012, after successful hospice care. Mm. Her obituary ran in the New York Times, (laughs) (laughs) which just... To me, brings a full circle. It's as, fantastic. As MS. <laughs> as MS. Citations for this week's episode. Her Wikipedia page, unfortunately, was just so short. It's like two paragraphs. Like, like it was 
And I think that's because she was still alive till she's fairly recent. So we don't have a lot of papers on her. Yeah. But um, the New Jersey women's history does have a decent article on it. Um, the best articles I have found were from uh, the Morris County Now chapter, mm. um, who did a article on her that ran in 2008, mm. org. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An article by Betsy Wade on December 6, 2002, hmm. which is definitely the most in-depth on that. And maybe she should update the Wikipedia page. New Directions for Women, the actual newspaper. Mm-hmm. There is almost everything that I was able to find on it was through Paula Castle's information. Like, it was really hard to find anything separate from them. It does have a Wikipedia entry, but it is four sentences. Yeah. And it's basically about the fact that Paula Castle founded it. And she's you can't even find now. any, like, examples of articles from it or anything? No, there are exactly two references. Records of New Directions for Women, uh, PDF, which is just that index that Paula created. Mm-hmm. And an article entitled Paula Castle, Feminist Pioneer and Dover Resident Dies at 94 from Kara Townsend, which is just her obit in one of the local Dover newspapers. Like, that's it. That's that's all all there is. Um, Paper just disappear? Pretty much. Despite the fact that, like, for all intents and purposes, it was expansive when it was at its height. It lasted 20 years, right? 20? 70 to 90 something? 71 to 93, yeah, 20 years. 20 years. Published quarterly. It was the first statewide, like it was the first, it was published nationally and in Canada. It had readerships all across. We'll have to go to like, what, some library somewhere probably. Rutgers University probably has. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> some information. Oh, yeah, let's book a plane ticket. Let's, let's Yeah, let's just book a plane ticket. Let's just go. I mean, COVID is still a thing, Jessica. I don't know how to tell you this. I know you've been vaccinated, but the rest of us still are trying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good luck. Actually, by the time this comes out, I will have had my first vaccine. Yay! Yay! So, that is Paula Castle. Mm-hmm. A heady young woman. Mm-hmm. I just, I loved that. Some of her quotes from the interviews with her are just hysterical. <laughs> she clearly had a great sense of humor. Um, but Jessica, if people want to uh, send you travel plans to New Jersey, where yes. can they find you? Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. Awesome. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found on our website, geekelitemedia.com. That pause was there for the fact that I realized we did not talk about what our next state's going to be next season. Oh, yes. The fourth ratified state. <laughs> the fourth ratified state of Georgia. Georgia. So, we're going to be talking about eight George, lovely Georgia peaches, um, which Jessica's a little concerned about it. Yeah, they, <laughs> well, I face. mean, they are currently going back into the past. 
yeah, I still have hope for Georgia. Just, I'll, I'll try. We'll try and brighten everybody's perspective on Georgia or Georgia's future, at least. Yes. <laughs> the women that are still fighting in Georgia right now. Exactly. Exactly. So please remember to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get this podcast and join us back here for next season in Georgia. But until next time, this is the ladies from the United States of Women mm-hmm. of the Geek, Ami- Geek Elite Media Network yep. saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.